0: Thanks to Health IQ for supporting this episode of Market Foolery. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance. To see if you qualify, go to healthiq.com/fool to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz and potentially save up to forty-one percent on premiums. Thanks also to Quip. Join over three million healthy mouths and get Quip today, starting at twenty-five dollars. And if you go to getquip.com slash fool right now, you'll get your first refill free. It's Monday, November 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me in studio the one and only Jason Moser.
1: How are you? Gobble gobble.
0: gobble. It's an exciting
1: week. We're <laughs> it is exciting... already planning out the menu, but we don't have a lot of food made this week, man. Nice. I'll tell
0: you what. We'll get to that, but first, it's merger Monday. This is an all-deal-making show today. We've got deals in finance, in retail-slash-entertainment, but we're going to start with the luxury goods industry. Tiffany has agreed to be acquired by Louis Vuitton for just over $16 billion in cash. Uh, Louis Vuitton, holy cow, Mm -hmm. that's a big company, at least in terms of the portfolio of brands um, uh, for LVMH. Uh, you got fashion, cosmetics, watches, jewelry, and now, I would argue, probably the most iconic jewelry brand is now part of the empire.
1: I, I, yeah, I think uh, probably the most iconic. I mean, it definitely means a lot to a lot of people. And I think, honestly, the deal makes sense for Louis Vuitton. I mean, This is right in their wheelhouse. And when it comes to luxury brands, it's kind of like Foolish Investing, in that it's really nice to have just a, a nicely diversified portfolio of offerings, so that you're not terribly dependent on one thing. Because the nature of this business is, you want, you want companies like Tiffany to succeed, but you have to be aware of how successful they are, because the more that brand saturates the market, then the less exclusive it becomes. People don't necessarily want it as much. It's seen as, is you know, maybe not as an exclusive, as exclusive an offering. So they do have to walk that fine line. But Tiffany has a very long track record of of doing that, of managing the brand very well. They don't pursue those big liquidation sales or Black Friday sales or whatnot. Uh, so my suspicion, the the difficulty with Tiffany as an investment has always been just sort of the lumpiness of it. You like to buy the stock when times are tough, sell it when things are going pretty well, and sort of rinse and repeat. Uh, this. I think makes a lot of sense for Louis Vuitton. It'll it'll give them a chance to to run this business without having to maybe answer to those quarterly expectations so much. And like you said, an iconic brand that I suspect they'll continue to invest in.
0: Where does Louis Vuitton go from here? I mean, this the stock is up of one two percent today. Um, obviously, shares of Tiffany are up, but uh, this this seems like. Wall Street not only liking the deal for all the reasons you just laid out, but also for the price tag. I mean, they, you know, if if instead we're seeing Louis Vuitton shares down five percent, uh, something like that, well, then you can look at that and very quickly conclude that they paid too much. But this seems like no, they did a great
1: job here. Yeah, I do think the price tag actually makes sense. I mean, it is it's around twenty eight times full year estimates, which really isn't all that crazy with a stock that trades anywhere in that twenty four to twenty six multiple. Usually, Uh, they have uh, Tiffany has been facing uh, some headwinds recently. In uh, you you see them quoting the weakness in Chinese tourism uh, on the calls. They're quoting obviously the unrest in Hong Kong. I mean, this is a business that that really generates. A good half of its revenue from that Asia geography. So I think really for Louis Vuitton, it is just a matter of bringing this thing in house. Determining the investments that they really want to make, because right now Tiffany, under somewhat new leadership, they've been making a lot of investments in the business, particularly in the flagship New York City store. There, And normally, you know, a business that that invests somewhere in the neighborhood of six to seven percent of sales, they've been talking about investing anywhere from eight to ten percent of sales in order to reinvigorate the brand and bring it up a little bit more with the times. So, I would guess that. That's what Louis Vuitton is going to determine—is how those investments should look going forward. Because again, I mean, I think I think the heavy lifting is done in getting this brand to where it is today. I think they really want to just kind of continue that status quo.
0: This isn't a stock I've ever. Even come close to thinking about putting on my watch list. It's up fifty percent over the past year. It it makes me think maybe I should
1: widen my gaze a little bit. Well, I mean, I I agree with you to a point. It's one that I've followed for a long time, and in, in one that I saw just over and over again. I mean, it really is like many plays in retail. It is one of those types of investments where you have to buy when the news is really. Not so good, and then you have to be willing to sell when things are starting to look look a little bit better. It's it's a difficult investment to buy and then plan on owning for three to five years unless you feel like you could really stomach the volatility. But I mean, we go back to the summer of 2018. I mean, management was buying back a ton of shares at an average of around 130, 131 per share, which is right about where the stock is today. So again, I mean, it it is a difficult investment to make because it's a bit more of a value style investment. Uh, but but yeah, I mean. And I think that when you take the longer view, there's clearly a lot of value in the brand, and Louis Vuitton will recognize that.
0: All of the paperwork is finally done. It is now official. Charles Schwab is buying TD Ameritrade for $26 billion in stock. Both stocks up a little bit today. We were talking about this on Motley Fool Money, and you were uh, making the comment that uh, you used to be someone who had money with Scott Trade, then TD Ameritrade by Scott Trade, and you had to go through the whole process of a platform switch. I was struck by the fact that this morning on CNBC, they were talking about this story. Um, kudos to Becky Quick for, for being the first person to break this story last week. Um, uh, they were talking about the very real possibility that Schwab keeps. Ameritrade intact as a as a trading platform that they're sort of looking at um where is the overlap and there's not basically there's a good case to be made that Schwab decides, you
1: know what, we're going to keep the Ameritrade trading platform right where it is. I actually think that's I don't. I would not push back against that at all. I mean, I first and foremost hope they don't use this deal as an excuse to then just conveniently pivot away from those zero dollar <laughs> commissions that we've come to know and love over this over these past few months. Uh, because you're looking at consolidation here, where ultimately they could start uh, maybe exerting a little bit more pricing on that side if they wanted to. I don't think they will do that. Um, but to your point, yeah. I mean, I, I did notice on my TD Ameritrade platform today. I logged in just to check something out and there's the big yellow bar up there that's saying hey guess what you know we're becoming a part of the schwab family and immediately my stress <laughs> level jumps up just a tad cuz i know i'm going to have to deal with some sort of customer experience here that's going to be less than optimal and and so from that perspective Particularly when you consider that the Scott Trade migration didn't really happen all that long ago, and I think a lot of people out there really do like the the platform that TD Ameritrade has. A lot of users have really come to come to like the the way that it works. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them just leave that alone and keep keep doing what it's doing because it is really. It's nice to have the scale. It's nice. To ha- it's nice to have the, the numbers in your favor, um, but it's a real opportunity for Schwab on the customer side, right? On the customer service, customer experience side, I mean, they could they could go one of two ways with this. But it's a real opportunity to show that customer centricity. And I think one way to do that would be to to at least offer up the perception that you, even though you might be a part of this bigger family, you still have choices in in how you how you choose to transact.
0: And particularly since. A whole bunch of TD Ameritrade customers, including you, have already gone through the process of being essentially migrated over from the Scottrade platform. Mm -hmm. So You like to think that they're going to be smart enough to be sensitive to that and act accordingly.
1: I would I would think so. Um, I mean, again, that's anyone's guess. I mean, I have to believe when you've got people in the executive suite making that kind of money, they're thinking about these kinds of things, and hopefully, they're resorting to actual market data to get a better idea of what their customers actually want. Um, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal I was reading today. is just an interesting sort of sub angle to this to this story. I think, and it's in regard to to registered investment advisors, and we probably don't think about that a lot given our job. But there are a lot of RIAs that use these big brokerages in order to transact for their clients. And when you look at Schwab, which is, I think, the largest platform in regard to RIAs, something like close to a couple of trillion in assets and 7,000 or so more RIAs as they've taken that commission model basically down to zero, those RIAs matter even more now, because they're responsible for parking a lot of that money that Schwab is going to be using to make their money with things like net interest income and account-related types of revenue there. So, they're going to need to make sure, again, from a service perspective, that they're taking care of that demographic beyond just the retail investors like us. My suspicion is, they will do that. I mean, it's a big company with a lot of experience in the space, and I and I think a reputation of wanting to do the right thing for the customer. Uh, so, so time will tell, but, but there's no question, this is a whopper of a deal.
0: Should I buy a couple of shares of E-Trade, <laughs> yeah. just on the on my fervent belief that I cannot believe that a year from now E-Trade is a standalone public company. I with all this that we've seen over the last few months, including this consolidation that we're talking about today, I cannot imagine a world in which E-Trade is still a standalone public company in a year. Someone's going to buy them.
1: So I agree with you. I think more than likely someone will. Now, with that said, we typically uh, don't use potential acquisition as a thesis, but oh, based right. on your verbiage, there <laughs> a couple of shares that would imply that you know that's a bit of a riskier move. So, so yeah, I mean, if you're looking to to break a rule here or there, I mean, I can think of worse things to do. Quick shout out to Health IQ. If you're a runner or a cyclist
0: or you're into CrossFit or another type of athlete, even a committed weekend warrior, or you're just someone who eats really healthy, you deserve to be rewarded for your hard work with more affordable life insurance rates. Health IQ can save you up to 41% because physically active people have significantly lower risks of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. But these savings are exclusive to Health IQ. You won't find them anywhere else, and you must qualify to get a special rate. To see if you qualify, that's easy. Just go to healthiq.com/fool to take the proprietary Health IQ quiz. Depending on your score, as well as other related qualifying factors, you can save up to forty-one percent on your life insurance premiums compared to other providers. That's healthiq.com/fool. And speaking of health, quick shout out to Quip, makers of the Quip electric toothbrush. They want you to know the one single discovery that matters most for your dental care, and it's simply this: If you have good habits. You're good. That means brushing for two minutes twice a day, flossing regularly. Quip makes that simple. Their electric toothbrush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide a full and even clean. Plus, Quip delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months with free shipping. I haven't tried Quip yet, but uh, they're apparently sending some uh, product for us to test out. And I'm excited about that, because uh, this is one of those sponsors that, when I've talked to people around the office, and it just sort of comes, it's like, oh, well, you know, who's sponsoring the podcast? And I mentioned Quip. There have been a bunch of people here who are like, I, I use Quip. I love Quip.
1: I love that stuff. Well, the subscription model is an extremely attractive one from an investor's perspective. And I've gotten a lot as a user out of my Harry's subscription. And given that I uh, am a fervent believer in good oral hygiene, I think I'm going to have to probably give Quip a try myself.
0: Join over 3 million healthy mouths and get Quip today starting at $25. And if you go to getquip.com right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com. Quip, the good habits company. In 2007, eBay bought StubHub, the online ticket exchange platform, for $310 million. Today, eBay is selling StubHub for just over $4 billion. Uh, they're selling it to uh, Via Gogo. Via Gogo, it's pronounced one Either of those two ViaGogo Via yeah. Gogo, um, which is an online ticket marketplace. This this seems like a smart acquisition by Via Gogo, and we've been talking for a while about eBay. Uh, well, what's what's the polite way of putting it? <laughs> they're still trying to figure it all out. Well, no, I was going to say yes. They're still trying to figure it all out, but also we've been talking for a while about how they've they've basically put StubHub out there to the world and said, "Is anybody interested?"
1: Yeah, and much like Louis Vuitton uh, bringing Tiffany into its world, I think this makes a lot of sense for Viagogo. I mean, StubHub is uh, certainly more in their wheelhouse than it is in eBay's, um, and, and, and I. I do believe yes? eBay is still a business very much trying to figure it out, and it's just got a really funny history where these types of investments are concerned. Um, I mean, if you go back, for example, just to 2016, eBay divested a really big stake. I mean, close to 20% stake in Mercado Libre at the time mercado Libre is around seven billion dollar market cap. and fast forward to today, I mean mercado Libre is the same size as eBay at about twenty eight billion. So essentially, I mean, I don't know what the justification was at the time, but it seems like they left an awful lot of money on the table, and a lot of us were speculating that maybe eBay should consider buying Mercado Libre at the time. And I think that that ship has certainly sailed. Um, for StubHub, I mean, it's a billion. It's responsible for. It's a business that's responsible for a little bit more than one billion in trailing twelve month revenue for eBay, which is about a tenth of eBay's overall revenue, and it's it's not growing really much either at this point under eBay's stewardship. So I think it just makes a lot of sense to go ahead and cut it loose. I think the big question now is, what is management going to do with that money? They say it's going to go towards buybacks, dividends, and M&A. Um, they've spent more than $20 billion in buybacks since 2014. They do yield a nice little dividend there. And the share count is down around 33% since then as well whether this really works out for investors or not. I mean, I've always just kind of looked at eBay as sort of an also-ran in this in this e-commerce world. It's got an attractive business model with high margins. They just can't seem to figure it out fully. And, and, and this is just another page in that book, it feels like.
0: We've talked a lot recently about retail heading into the holiday season. eBay has never come up in those conversations. But I think that I'm putting eBay on the list of retailers who need to have a really good holiday season. Um, When I look at the way eBay is positioning itself from a marketing standpoint, I think there's a lane for them to succeed in. In a weird way, I think the lane positions them against Etsy. I think eBay is really trying to position itself as, this is the place where you can get Stuff that you're not going to get elsewhere, it's also the place where you're going to get stuff for less than you're going to find elsewhere. But I think it's that first category that they really need to crush.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you've certainly seen eBay advertising more on television recently, uh, and Etsy as well. I mean, both companies have undertaken pretty massive marketing um, campaigns in order to create uh, more brand awareness. I, I do agree there are a lot of similarities in the two businesses there. Um, I could certainly see a world where eBay would be very interested in owning Etsy, and Etsy right now is looking like a steal, given the recent pullback in shares. Um, I still, you know, when I look at Etsy, I think Etsy has done a much better job of communicating its brand and what you get in shopping on their Platform eBay to me, even after seeing the advertisements, was not admittedly, I've never even used eBay in my entire life. I mean, never even used it. It's just not. It's not something I've ever needed to use. Um, I'm still not fully sure why I would use it unless I'm looking for some type of collectible or something that someone's selling that they don't want anymore. And, and um, so it is a little bit different from Etsy in that perspective. But but yeah, I think communicating a bit more of a clear understanding as to what you're using eBay for, for new people, for new prospects, I think is going to be really clutch. I think Etsy's done a very good job of that to date.
0: And when you think about the acquisitions eBay has made, and the subsequent sales or spinoffs of those acquisitions, for a good stretch of time, you could look at eBay's business and say, "Well, they've got PayPal, so that's really the <laughs> the secret sauce to that business." Or they've got StubHub; that's a, a a nice little additive to their bottom line. With every spinoff that they execute, eBay becomes the marketplace business yeah. and just the marketplace business. So again, and and by the way, I'm not putting them in the category when I say I think they need to have a really good holiday. I don't mean the same thing when I'm talking about like Macy's and Coles. It's not, boy, they better have a great holiday or they may not be around in a couple of years. I don't think the underlying business is in favor of going to zero but i really think they need to have a good holiday
1: <laughs> yeah they do and i mean you're right the business itself is in really pretty good shape i mean it just it generates fantastic margins it's a cash flow rich business they've got a nice balance sheet especially after this deal when they unload stubhub it really is just a matter of what they decide to do with those funds and so maybe ebay is just recognizing their place in the world and it exists as a smaller company than maybe what they once aspired to be, you can certainly do that, and investors can can benefit nicely from it. But but yeah, a nice holiday season. Would would go a long way in communicating what exactly they're trying to do over the course of the coming five years and beyond because it does it does seem like they're really falling back on being just that one thing, and we're going to find out if they can just do it really well. Real quick before
0: we wrap up, we've obviously got the Motley Fool Money Thanksgiving Special uh, coming later this week. Uh, One tip, one food related tip for people who are thinking about their own Thanksgiving. Maybe they're going to th- their family members or a friend's house or something like that.
1: Just a little something. So, I- I'll give you something really Easy to do. Um, and every year I feel like I mentioned the peanut butter stuffing. And so I'll go ahead and throw that out for good mention. Just throw a nice dollop of peanut butter in that turkey there before you throw it in the oven. And you go to town on that stuff after it's done. You mix it in with your green beans or your stuffing or whatever else. It's just if you like peanut butter, it's really tasty. But one thing we did last year that I really. Light and you know, I've heard you've, you've probably heard me talk about Dizzy Pig before here, the spice company. It's a local provider here, uh, so small company, but they make some really, really great rubs. And they have a rub called Mad Max Turkey Seasoning, which is just so good. I mean, I'm gonna steal a, a triple D Guy Fietti uh, colloquialism here, and you could put that stuff on a flip flop, and it'd be good. <laughs> If you get an if you get a hankering for something to season up your turkey, that Mad Max from Dizzy Pig is really really good. pile it on there, slow roast that turkey. It is delish. Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving.
0: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Floor. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.